Well, good morning and welcome to Hope Church Seven Oaks Online. My name is Adam. I have the joy of leading the church here alongside my good friend and colleague Ian Lettington and actually a whole bunch of other leaders uh, who help us. This morning, we're going to be looking at the subject of prayer. And we're going to be looking at that subject because we've been studying our way through the Gospel of Luke. And our studies have brought us naturally to Luke chapter 11. And uh, this is the point where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And uh, this is such a vital subject, particularly for us right now. So uh, why don't we grab our Bibles? And why don't we read the first four verses together? You can just listen to me read it or uh, you can grab your own Bible. So this is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. This is the ESV version that I'm reading from. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. The title of this talk, by the way, is called Our Father, very simply Our Father. Well, there's a very intriguing little scenario that we've just been uh, faced with there. So the disciples have come to Jesus and they've said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And particularly, though, they've said, can you teach us to pray like John prayed? John is referring to John the Baptist, of course, and John taught his disciples uh, how to pray. Now, that's really interesting because we learn something about John the Baptist here is that and what we learn is that he had a reputation for prayer as a man of prayer and a man who taught others how to pray. And the disciples recognised that. Now, it's also interesting because we know under John's ministry, there was a mini revival that broke out in Israel. Uh, we know that he was uh, preaching a gospel of repentance and people were coming out into the desert in order to be baptised by John and to hear the messages that he had to that he was preaching. So we learn immediately something about prayer uh, at the moment we open this passage. And what we learn is that if we want to see revival, we have to be people of prayer. That every single revival that has ever happened from John's day all the way throughout history means that we are people who know or learn how to pray. Okay, so how does Jesus then start to teach his disciples about prayer? And if you think about it, this is an amazing opportunity to look into. Here is Jesus, the Son of God, and he's going to give a lesson on how to pray. Wow. When I began to read this, I thought, where does he start? Where is Jesus, the Son of God, going to start? What's the first lesson? What's the most important thing that he's going to teach his disciples about praying? And we look and we see, he says to them, when you pray, say, Father. 
actually um, I'm going to be referring more to the the um, Lord's Prayer as it's referenced in the Gospel of Matthew because it's a slightly uh, larger version, a more expanded version. And there it says, he says, say, our Father. So that's the first lesson that Jesus is giving concerning prayer, effective prayer. Right at the beginning, before they get into asking for anything, which is probably what most of us think of when we think of prayer, um, before he shows them any principles about prayer. No, he says, look, the first thing you need to see about effective prayer is to be clear about the relationship that you have with God. He is our father. We've got to get that relationship right, right at the beginning. And that is the essential first lesson. Interesting, isn't it, that the Lord's Prayer doesn't refer to your boss in heaven. It doesn't refer to your master in heaven or your ruler in heaven or your creator in heaven or even almighty God in heaven. What it refers to is our father in heaven. Now, why is this so important that this should come first? Why is this the essential first lesson of prayer as far as Jesus is concerned? Well, I would suggest this, that if you have a wrong view of God, it's hugely going to impact your prayer life. It's going to probably reduce your desire to pray and it will probably reduce your expectation of answers. You see, if you believe that God is formal or distant or angry or demanding, a number of people believe that God is very demanding. They believe that uh, to get into heaven, uh, you have to do more good things than bad things. Therefore, they believe that God is demanding. That's not a Christian view, by the way, not a biblical view, but it is a religious view that's held widely, I believe, around the world. Some people believe that God is disinterested in you. Some people believe that he's very slow to answer or possibly that he, he won't even answer at all. Some religions, big religions around the world, even teach that God cannot be known personally. Incredible for us, isn't it, as Christians, to, to know that there are some religions out there that teach you can't know God personally. They even teach that he cannot have sons and daughters. The very opposite of the thing that Jesus is teaching us. Now, I wonder how many of those wrong views of God are actually common in the UK. And tragically, I wonder how many Christians still have a, a wrong view of God. And frankly, who would want to pray to a God like that? A God who was cold or distant or formal or, or a God who doesn't answer? Jesus teaches us on prayer and he destroys a number of those wrong preconceptions by encouraging the disciples to start by addressing God as Father, as Abba, as Daddy. It's a lovely, intimate, tender, close, affectionate, loving term. It's, it's absolutely meant to do away, I believe, with all those wrong preconceptions about God right at the beginning. You know, knowing who we are speaking to when we pray 
and that the relationship we have with him is really, really important. We need that relationship uh, to be clear and right. So let me ask you some questions. What is your honest view of God? How do you see God the Father? Now, I know we all know the right answers to say here, but actually, what's the honest answer? Almost certainly, you know, your uh, view of your heavenly father will be affected and shaped hugely by your earthly father. So I need to ask you another question. What kind of earthly father do or did you have? Was he distant or close? Was he kind or angry? Was he patient or demanding? These are important things to think about. And let me ask you this question as well. Have you, do you think, simply got hold of the attributes, the characteristics of your earthly father and imported them into your view of your heavenly father? One of the things we've got to learn to do as Christians as time goes on is we've got to learn to have a biblical view of our heavenly father and not to assume that he is always like our earthly father. Most of us will start there, but as we progress and mature as Christians, we have to find out what our heavenly father is truly like. You know, there's always been a battle over the understanding of God as our father, always. Uh, we see when Jesus uh, was on earth, physically, bodily, and he referred to God as his father. Religious authorities hated that. Really, they detested it. Religious people don't want an intimate, close relationship with God. And they hated it in Jesus' day. And actually, it's one of the reasons we read in John 5 why they wanted to end up killing Jesus, because he referred to God as his father. They fought against the idea that God could be father, could be Abba, daddy. I want to say there's still a battle for the understanding that God is your father, but this time the battle rages in our heart and our mind. And it's really important that we um, uh, try to get to grips with the reality of who our heavenly father is versus what we think and our initial images are. Okay, you know, the term father is absolutely packed with meaning in the Bible. So let's have a look at that. What does the term father uh, mean? Well, when the Bible refers to God as our father, he is, of course, referring to a good father. And for some of you, that might be quite difficult, but we need to try and get over that. If you've had a bad uh, experience of father, you need to know that the God of the Bible is a good father, uh, not a bad father. And it, of course, also means that we, by implication, are sons and daughters. We are his children. We have become his children. And that means that we have one of the closest relationships with him. And that close relationship brings a whole range of amazing privileges that don't exist actually if he is not your heavenly father. So what are those privileges? Well 
Let's go through a few. First one that comes to my mind is this. You have access to him. You have access to your heavenly father. Ephesians 2.18 tells us that because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, it says now we have access to the father through the spirit. Before we were Christians, we didn't have this incredible access uh, that we now do. Let me tell you a little story that might help just to illustrate this uh, access that we have. And it's a story of uh, an American Civil War soldier. So we're probably in about 1860, early 1860s, that sort of time. And he, he's a, a Union soldier, which is a Northern soldier. And he's very sad because he's just read that his uh, siblings have been killed uh, in the war. And also his parents, his elderly parents, have written to him to say, please, will you come home and help get the harvest in on the farm? We really do need your help. And this soldier can't find anybody to give him permission to leave his unit and go back to the farm. No one seems to be able to do it. And he's really downcast and upset. And he happens to be in Washington, D.C. at this time, and he sits on a park bench. And then a little boy comes up to him. He doesn't know who this little boy is, but this little boy just says to him, you look very sad. What's wrong? And very quickly, the soldier begins to pour out his heart to this little boy and tells him his whole story. And the little boy listens and he says, well, I think my dad could help. And the soldier doesn't really believe him, but he says, oh, that's nice. And he said, no, no, I'm sure he could. Come with me. So the soldier thinks, well, I haven't got anything else to do this afternoon, so I'll, I'll meet his family. And the little boy gets hold of the soldier by the hand and surprisingly, he leads him to the gates of the White House. And he speaks, this little boy speaks to the soldier on guard at the White House and immediately the gate is opened and they go through into the grounds of the White House and the soldier thinks, well, this is remarkable. And then they go to the front of the house and the little boy has another conversation with another uh, guard at the front of the house and immediately again, the door is opened and the soldier thinks, I don't believe this, we're inside the White House. And then they go uh, through some corridors and then the soldier recognises the door to the Oval Office, which is where the president of the uh, of US uh, has his office. And he thinks, well, we'll never get in there. But the little boy just goes straight up to the door and he pushes it open. And there sitting behind the desk is Abraham Lincoln, the president of the US. And the president turns around and he looks at the little boy and he says, oh, hi, Todd. How are you? And the little boy says, oh, hi, Dad. I'm good, but I found this soldier and I really think he needs your help. Can you speak to him? And the soldier, to his amazement, finds himself telling his story to the president of the United States, who then writes a letter excusing him from duties so that he can go home to help with the harvest. That's a great illustration of the kind of access that we now have because of Jesus. We can come right into the very presence of our Heavenly Father. What else does it mean? What else does it mean to be sons and daughters of God, to have God as our Heavenly Father? 
Well, it means this. It means that the most powerful figure in the universe not only loves you, but that he wants to listen to you and he wants to engage with you. Uh, you know, a good father will listen to their children and they will want to help them. And God expressly gives us a voice in the relationship that we now have with God. He says, I want you to ask me for things. Jesus is about to go on a little bit later on uh, in Luke 11 to say, ask, seek, knock. Philippians 4 says this, let your requests be made known to God. He loves to listen to you. Let me tell you another little story which I hope will help and illustrate this point again. And it's a story about Terry Virgo, who was the who is the founder of New Frontiers, the wider network of churches that we belong to. And uh, Terry was speaking, this is some years ago, and he was telling, telling us about a time when one of his children, his, one of his sons, was out of contact for a period of time. I'm not sure why, I think he'd gone out of, out of the country and there was no communication in that country. And I think the truth is that Terry just missed him. And then the day came when this son returned to the country and he picked up the phone and he spoke to Terry. And Terry said he just loved hearing his son's voice. He said he could have said anything to me. He could have just said the alphabet and I would have just loved listening, loved hearing his voice, even the, the, the his tone and intonation. He just absolutely, uh, absolutely loved it. And I think that's a great illustration of our Heavenly Father and how he loves to hear your voice and he invites you to come forward with requests. You know, because he is a good father, <clears throat> he doesn't get fed up with us. He doesn't. He doesn't get sick of your voice. He doesn't say, oh no, not you again. What do you want now? You came last week. Am I going to answer something else? No, he doesn't do that. He loves you to come. He loves you to speak. You know, even when we've got it wrong sometimes, even when we've made a mistake, if we come back with a repentant attitude, he loves to listen to us and embrace us. Now, that might not be the experience we've had when we were growing up. Even good parents sometimes get a bit fed up with their children. But we need to know God is not like that. He is a good parent who never gets sick of our voice and wants us to come. Okay, what other amazing advantages are there in knowing God as our father? Well, the term father also implies this, that you have a leader, you have a protector, and you have a corrector who has a personal loving interest in you. Those three characteristics, leader, protector and corrector, we see all of those three characteristics demonstrated uh, to Israel by God in the Old Testament. All the way through the Old Testament, you see God demonstrating uh, these amazing um, qualities. And while Israel didn't know God personally as their father, they did know God as the father of the nation. And they would have expected the father of the nation uh, to speak to them in this way. And that's absolutely 
what he did. You've just got to read the life of King David to see how God was leader, protector and corrector. You, you could read your way through Exodus or um, uh, Joshua or Samuel. Again and again, we see these wonderful qualities of a good father demonstrated. You know, good fathers will do this stuff. Bad fathers won't bother. A bad father won't bother to lead you. He won't bother to protect you. And he certainly won't bother to correct you. But God does all three of those things because he is a good father. You know, I wonder whether right now we need to see and know those aspects of God the Father in particular. I had a sense actually as I was preparing for this talk that as you grasp, some of you as you grasp the reality of your heavenly father, particularly as leader, protector and corrector, it's going to bring some comfort and security to you at this time in particular. You know, it's true in the natural when somebody grows up without a strong father figure in their life. They tend, the statistics show, tend to be more insecure and they grow up more vulnerable and they're more likely to make mistakes in life. Not to say they can't make a success of their life, but they absolutely can. But there is a greater vulnerability because of the lack of a strong father figure in their lives. Now, I believe that's true spiritually as well as naturally. We suffer when we don't know our heavenly father very well. But the joy of becoming a Christian is that we are getting to know our Heavenly Father and we can get to know him better and better and I believe that there's a sense of confidence and security that can come as you begin to get to know what our Heavenly Father is like. You realise that he is a God who welcomes you willingly into his presence. He is the one who loves you. He is the one who wants to listen to you and engage with you. He is the one who is your leader and your protector and your corrector. I believe that we begin to blossom and thrive when we get to know what it is to have a good father in our lives, a good heavenly father. And God specifically says about you, you are not an orphan. You are now not on your own. And we want to get to know our heavenly father more and more. And the way we do that is by studying the life of Jesus. Because Jesus said, I and the Father are one. Jesus is described as the perfect representation of the Father. So as we study the life of Jesus, we get to know what our Heavenly Father is like as well. I want to uh, end up here by saying this. If you're listening uh, to this talk and you don't know God as your Father, I want to say this. You absolutely can. Uh, every Christian on the face of the planet is adopted. We're all adopted into his amazing family. And God would want to welcome you into his family too. It's not an exclusive family just for a few privileged people. No, this is the, the offer of being part of his family is made to every single human being alive, including you.
And you can come in by believing in Jesus as the Son of God, the one who can forgive you for your sin through his work on the cross 2,000 years ago. Look, I'm going to pray a very quick prayer, and this might just help you get going. And it's a prayer just saying, God, I want to know you as my heavenly father. Please forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. Um, uh, please, will you adopt me into the family of God and help me to follow you the rest uh, of my life? So I'm going to pray this prayer. If you would like to pray this prayer, can I invite you just to close your eyes right now? I'm going to pray this. You might want to pray it out loud or you might just want to pray it in the quietness of your own heart. Let's pray. God, I want to know you as my heavenly father. Please forgive me for everything that I have done wrong. Jesus, I believe that you are the son of God. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to fill me and make me new right now. Father, please adopt me into the family of God and help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I would it would be so helpful to me to hear from you. Please, would you just drop me an email? Uh, my email address is adam at hopechurch7oaks.org. I'd be really grateful. The other thing is we're looking at running a, an online alpha course uh, in the near future. And if you'd like to know more about Christianity and faith, you'd like to have discussions with other interested people who are also looking at it or maybe got questions or are unsure about certain things, I'd just love to invite you to be part of that. Please uh, just say that in your email to me and um, I'll pass it on to Ian, who runs our Alpha course. OK, well, that brings us to the end of today's talk. I hope you found that helpful. So I want to encourage you to be pondering and thinking about what it means to have a heavenly father who loves you and is good. Hope you have a great rest of the week. God bless you. Um, we have a number of uh, activities, of course, happening throughout the week. We'll have um, the connect groups are now trying to meet online. I know our youth now meet online as well. We'll uh, have Wednesday morning prayer meetings online. So I hope you can join in with those things and I hope you have a great rest of the week. God bless you. Bye.